Welcome to Maps Film Room Spaces, everyone. Thanks for joining. I know it's a Friday evening, so um, many people got other things going on. But if you're like lives. us, huh? They have lives. They, I don't know, man. This is a life in itself. To be honest with you, if you're not talking about Maps basketball on a Friday evening, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we got Grant Apset of DallasBasketball.com joining us. Always great to talk to him. He's one of the the best minds on here when it comes to Mavs basketball. Grant, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good. Uh, you know, I was just busy uh, being a celebrity, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we're, we're thankful that, that you took the time to join us. I mean, you know, uh, it's always great talking to you. You have a lot of good insight and definitely love your content. Um, first off, how are you uh, enjoying this all-star break thus far? I know it's been a busy season for you. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, enjoying it a lot. It, I've been working on quite a few videos that take very long time. It's very hard to, you know, be able to finish those when there's like a game every other day, back to backs and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to closer to the end of the break when I have those done. But yeah, I enjoy kind of those breaks or off season periods too because that's really the best time to be able to do big picture like breakdown stuff for sure. Absolutely, and obviously you're really good at the you know the game coverage and stuff. So we appreciate that. Um, I don't know. Vinay, you got anything before we get going? Bro, ask Grant all the questions. I'm spotting <laughs> up in the corner. If you need me, I'm here. But Grant, right. okay. run pick and roll. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, Grant, we got we got a few topics for you. I mean, I think, like I said, you're one of the, the best basketball minds on Mavs Twitter, so we'll just get right into it. Um, obviously, the Mavs made those two big trades at the trade deadline for um, Daniel Gafford and P.J. Washington. Um, feel like it's it's changed the season in these last few games. Just looking at them, uh, what's been your impression of the new look Mavericks thus far? Yeah, I think they've shown a lot of the intangibles that you would want to see. Especially Daniel Gafford, he's been very active on the boards, blocking shots, and he's been impressive even with not really having any familiarity with his new teammates yet. Like three games is hardly any, uh, you know, of a sample size. So I think uh, you know seeing a defensive anchor. You know, other than De Derek Lively is a very, uh, you know, change of pace for the Mavericks. And I think with P.J. Washington, his shot hasn't fallen from three really at all so far. But you see a lot of extra layers of offense that you get from him that you didn't get from other options like, uh, you know, Grant Williams that were, you know, in the starting four spot for a lot of the season. You know, I thought one of the interesting stats that I saw, even something very small, like post scoring, like whether he's in transition getting a seal on a defender and making himself available for a pass or just you know attacking where the Mavericks are just kind of dumping the ball to him to make a play he scored six points uh, already out of post-ups in a couple of games they haven't really featured him in that way obviously but Grant Williams only had 10 points in his entire Mavericks tenure in the post so like little things like that kind of add up when you have different options within the flow of the game you know, he can attack, you know, closeouts effectively. Uh, he likes to get, you know, play off of two, use a right-hand floater, things like that, that, uh, you know, also uh, those types of shots were a struggle for, uh, you know, other players that aren't on the roster anymore. I don't want to keep breaking up days because uh, I'll be called a hater. So, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, uh, you know, just different layers of, uh, of offense that you can utilize with a better athlete and someone who is, you know, more capable of making plays off the dribble and, you know, just – you know, that adds a lot of uh, needed value to a team that, you know, really thrives playing read and react, pushing the pace, things like that. So definitely a lot to like so far. And, oh, I can't stop uh, talking about P.J. Washington without mentioning his defense. He's been a very effective 
you know, defender overall. Uh, there are some things that will be maximized whenever he gets more, you know, familiarity, just like Daniel Gafford with his teammates and the scheme and everything. Because uh, communication is a big part of this stuff. If you, you know, terminology, if you're, you know, not familiar with the types of decisions your teammates are going to make, that can create a little bit of a hesitation within the flow of a game and lead to some breakdowns and stuff like that. So I, I'm very intrigued to see how this will all play out the more they all get familiarity with, you know, personnel lineups and, you know, have 20 plus, you know, 25 games left to be able to get into it. Yeah, I think you covered, you covered it pretty well there. Um, you know, PJ Washington, and we'll get into some of the details here, uh, you know, in the space, but PJ Washington, no doubt provides a lot more versatility for the Mavericks on both offense and defense, as we've seen here in these last uh, three games since the trade deadline. Um, I want to focus on offense first because I think, you know, that's where the fit is the most, uh, maybe not tricky, but like that's something that still is a work in progress when it comes to PJ Washington. Um, you know, the three point shot, I, you know, he struggled with it, but I, I don't have too much doubt that it'll come along. But what do you think in terms of sets, uh, that the Mavericks could run to sort of optimize his fit in the offense? Cause we know in the past they've been successful running, uh, the stack pick and roll, AKA the Spain pick and roll. Do you foresee something like that being a way to get him more integrated into the offense, or do you do you see other ways uh, that could happen? Um, I think honestly, a lot of times they they bring that back screener in when it's a shooter that has a lot of gravity, where the defense is going to have to really be reluctant to make like switching determinations. So I think it would probably be very helpful to utilize them more and then like the the matchup like switch hunting, sort of just like wing to wing or guard to guard screens, things like that. Uh, just to kind of force the switches or just make the defense have to make decisions because he can attack, make quick decisions as a short roller, or, you know, you can hunt, uh, you know, the switch with the mismatches and things of that nature if they do switch. Uh, I do think uh, you can use them in some of the other frequent stuff that they like to use, like double drag screens. Uh, I think, you know, there's some interesting variations out of that when they're playing one big uh, you know, he's an interesting option, you know, with size to be able to, uh, you know, either be the back end attacker on the weak side off the catch when, you know, the low defender rotates over uh, to tag the roller or, um, you know, just to have him as one of the screeners. But I do think and that's another instance where you like to have a shooting threat with gravity. That's not really him considering his last couple of seasons. Usually that's why they like to have Tim Hardaway, uh, you know, or Kyrie or even like Luca is not necessarily that type of like like lethal catch and shoot guy he's been better but like teams just don't like to switch to give you know those matchups up so he's usually one of those screeners as well too when they sprinkle that stuff in so i think he probably will find his best impact as a like a off the catch guy attacking you know as the spacer on the weak side uh due to those determinations because a lot of that is to really make the defense have to make tough decisions split second with matchups because uh, if they switch then they're giving up something at the top of the the offense that they're probably not going to want to give up. So I think, uh, you know, probably the other players as the screeners will be the most important element of that. Um, but yeah, that, I think uh, that does have a lot of value having someone who can attack the closeouts and also just, uh, you know, probably run them off things like pin downs and things like that too. use them as a dribble handoff. Big uh, will be good. A lot of read and react stuff where, you know, he's able to have the ball in space, uh, get the ball to one of the superstars and then they can play out of that for sure. Yeah, I think um, being able to attack the closeouts has been, um, you know, is something that I think he will immediately be able to impact. 
Um, I've noticed he's played out of the corner um, a lot in these few games, and I feel like that's probably just to sort of get him acclimated. Um, do you anticipate that being the case going forward? Because I know he struggled a little bit with the corner three, uh, but obviously he has a lot more versatility that he can play with. Um, you know, just in terms of playing with two bigs, I guess that, that was kind of my question. Like, um, do you think that he fits best on offense with – a rolling big like Derek Lively or Daniel Gafford, or do you think that his fit could be more maximized with a stretch big like Maxi Kleber, for example? I do see a lot of value with him playing alongside Maxi. I think on both ends, uh, but you know, since your question was about offense, I think having that extra spacing with Maxi as a stretch five, uh, I think that brings the most options because as we saw with uh, Maxi at the five, and then I think Derek Jones uh, was on the court as well. Uh, there was like a sequence where, you know, there was a closeout attack, you know, a, a spray out pass, and then what, they just filled the dunker spot, uh, got the ball as a relief option and finished because the defense, you know, having to really like recover against that, uh, you know, closeout attack, uh, you're, you're basically a step behind throughout the whole play and having multiple wings that can, you know, make that closeout attack, but also, uh, you know, make a passing decision and, uh, you know, be a relief option in the paint, uh, I think adds a lot of options. And that gets maximized when you have spacers and playmakers around them. And I think Maxi at the five, you know, opens things up for them to be able to do that since you're going to have Daniel Gafford or Derek Lively playing in the paint. Uh, you know, until we uh, get Derek Lively shooting more corner threes and things like that, uh, that's probably uh, the most maximized uh, kind of way to, to take advantage of those intangibles that P.J. Washington brings. But I do think... Uh, yeah, he probably will play out a lot out of the corner, is my guess in general. Uh, when he is playing with a rolling big, just because of those, uh, you know, the things we talked about, uh, you know, in the previous question about, you know, why they bring certain guys into those screening actions. Uh, I think you know, with Tim Hardaway, Kyrie, Luca, those types of guys as screeners. Uh, it's definitely a lot of matchup-driven uh, focus because they're trying to force double teams. A hunt mismatches and I think uh, you know you're not necessarily going to get a lot of that uh, until PJ Washington really builds back up his shooting reputation uh, given the last couple of seasons he's been you know not as effective as a three-point shooter as he was at the start of his career hey Grant how's it going can you hear me hello um, can you hear me, Jay? I can hear you. I'm not sure about Grant. Um, Grant, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, okay, okay. Um, really quickly, I just wanted to ask you about Maxi and Josh because the last few weeks they've been looking a lot better on both ends of the floor. What have you seen from them defensively, mainly, but also offensively? Yeah, I think with Maxi, a lot of the you know the defensive impact. Uh, you get a lot of boxes checked with him. You can switch everything. Uh, that's been a big part of their, you know, defensive approach when they're going small and having wings, you know, alongside him, like with PJ and, uh, you know, Derek Jones, that uh, makes it very tough on the defense to get advantages using screens. I think, uh, you know, he's also been effective as the, uh, you know, drop coverage big, you know, against Washington teams that are limited offensively with guards like Tyus Jones, who aren't necessarily you know, like dynamic, like scoring threats, getting to the rim or, you know, taking pull up threes you can maintain that sort of uh, base defense where you're going to allow the guard to get into the gap, but you're not really worried about the shots you're giving up, like around the elbow or the non-restricted paint area, but you also can get out on shooters effectively. And I think, you know, that's been a big part about beating uh, some of these, you know, lesser opponents 
and you know, th- there's a lot to to like about that. And then also offensively, you know, when the three is falling for Maxi, there's a lot of options that open up. But I think against, you know, I think one game I really liked against Milwaukee, uh, he was a pretty effective attacking closeouts, and you know, he's shown some pretty solid ability to, you know, take pull-ups, not necessarily the shots that they want, but the pull-up twos are good ways to kind of counter defenses that are running him off the line. And, uh, yeah, I think just a lot of the things you like to see from him when he's playing at his peak performance, uh, he's been able to show on both ends. The Mavs' big last playoff run, they struggled with size, obviously with Kavon Looney, not as much with Gobert Whiteside in that first series, but... I mean, looking ahead to the playoffs, if the Mavericks are lucky enough to make the playoffs, which I think they will, but we'll see. Um, if they've played Denver or Minnesota in a playoff series, do you think, like with their recent trade acquisitions, that the Mavericks have enough size to kind of match up better with those teams? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think when you were only using like a Dwight Powell, Maxi kind of center rotation, that's a pretty small look. And then they had you know smaller wing options. I think uh, seeing how they look with Dante Exum, after he gets healthy, will be an important part of you know the overall like uh, calculation for their playoff outlook, in my opinion, because you're able to take some of the lesser you know defensive options off the court more, like Tim Hardaway Jr. When you're not necessarily needing the you know high volume three point shooting threat, uh, when you're also giving up a lot on defense and you're worried about that, you can rely more on like uh, you know Exum to pick up full court. Uh, be an active defender, use his length, and also uh, you mix it up on offense by having him be able to get into the paint uh, as an initiator or attacking closeouts as well. So I think uh, you know just the different lineup combinations they now have, while also having other wing defenders around. You know, Luca and Kyrie checks a lot of boxes. They can make it difficult or at least frustrate some of the uh, you know top perimeter shot creators that other teams have. Like they now have you know, like. Derek Jones can chase around Jamal Murray, stuff like that. I think uh, while still having, uh, you know, more wing defense to be able to account for other options. I think you're always going to have struggles with superstars, regardless of who they are. Uh, Like Jokic is going to be a problem no matter how much size you have, but at least you have another, you know, traditional big like Daniel Gafford in case there's foul trouble, which, you know, that's going to happen against a guy like Jokic throughout a a seven-game series pretty often. So having more options definitely uh, is a very essential part of that. I'm glad you said that because there's literally not one person in the NBA that can guard Jokic. Like this fantasy of finding this Jokic stopper just doesn't exist. I think what you said is true. Like if you just throw out a bunch of bodies, that's the best way to attack uh, or defend Jokic. Uh, Jay, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I got a couple of questions. Um, maybe let me start with with one, and this might be a dumb question, but, you know, I mean, Daniel Gafford has been pretty effective, I mean, to say the least, like in his first three games as a Maverick. The one thing I have noticed, though, is, and, and this became a little bit more apparent um, against the Spurs especially, but, you know, when he's on the floor, the Mavs do have to play more of a drop coverage style type defense, um, which sort of limits... Uh, I think their defensive potential during those minutes just because, you know, you're allowing uh, a lot of shot makers to be able to get open baskets or open jumpers. Like we saw Tyus Jones against the Wizards in the first half of that game get a lot of open twos. Um, Do you think that that might be a limitation for his ability to play in the playoffs or am I just sort of making that up? No, I definitely think... uh until we see more like switching and him getting stops in those situations, I think they will mostly be approaching it with a, uh, you know, drop coverage 
uh, defense as he did in the other stops in his career, like with Chicago, Washington. Uh, I think that does uh, limit what you do defensively. And that's why I think, you know, when Maxie's healthy and, uh, you know, playing at a high level, that's why they like to close with him often because you can switch everything, trust it. Uh, and you can also still maintain enough size to have him, you know, play in a traditional pick and roll approach if you do want that, depending on who you're playing or the lineup that's on the floor. So I do think, uh, you know, they have a lot of options that they can throw out there. And uh, I think that's why Maxi is such an important X factor, because I think you will be limited in the schemes that you can kind of throw out there. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, my other question related to the defense also is we've seen P.J. Washington, I think, be really locked in defensively these last three games. I mean, most notably in, in the last game against the Spurs, he was doing a pretty good job on uh, Wembenyama, even if not directly you know, slowing him down. I thought he played within the scheme really well um, and disrupted even the entry passes to Wemby, for example. Like, my question to you is how sustainable do you think this defensive performance by P.J. Washington is? And if this is the case, then how much does that raise the Mavericks uh, ceiling uh, this season? Yeah, I think it's pretty sustainable overall because I think uh, like one of the things that a lot of people talked about with him before he got traded from Charlotte is that uh, he was actually probably one of the absolute most professional players, like personality wise, that they had there. And he focused on doing, you know, like winning habits, things that are important. And I think now he has more of an environment where that can be fully maximized, where when you do, uh, you know, make an impact on defense, it's going to translate to more winning basketball since there's enough talent around him. And I think as someone who spent a lot of time on those types of teams, like the rebuilding teams and seasons where you're you're not really able to, to strive for a like a high-level goal uh, since it's a lot of lottery-bound or play-in tournament appearances. I think, um, you know, it's harder to kind of sustain that throughout a full season where you're really locking in defensively, especially if they're relying on you as more of a featured offensive option. I think he's going to be able to hone into more of a, a, a niche in that respect where he's really, you know, honing in defensively and not really, as Jason Kidd mentioned and other players like Kyrie Irving have mentioned, he's not worried about where he's getting the ball, how often he's getting the ball. He's just playing basketball and embracing the role that he has. And as long as that sustains, which I think, you know, based off that, you know, the character comments that I've heard, I would think that that was sustained. And I think you're going to get the best out of him defensively as a result. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, that came as a little bit of a surprise to me because, you know, obviously players coming from this era of Charlotte basketball kind of have a certain reputation attached to them. But, you know, when the trade happened, uh, I remember PJ Washington, I think, reposted one of the uh, Charlotte assistant coaches on Instagram. And that coach thanked him for his uh, coachability, which I thought was, you know, pretty strong endorsement of who he is. And, and like you said, I think, you know, in these three games, he's been willing to, you know, do what's asked of him on the defensive end and not, uh, you know, not worry too much about where his shots are coming or where he's getting the ball on offense, which... I think we really need a lot of those players. And that's why Derek Lively, for example, has been so successful this season is because they're willing to do the dirty work um, and doing whatever it takes to win. Um, let's see here. Vinay, you have anything else related to defense or should we move on to, to another topic? Go ahead and move on. Um, so, yeah, I think um, moving slightly away from defense, uh, not fully away, but, um, you know, looking ahead to the playoffs again, right? 
you know, the Mavericks now, I think, have a lot more depth with these two trades. Um, and obviously, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, is a big focus right now because, you know, his role has probably shrunk a little bit, um, you know, with P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford getting more minutes than maybe uh, Grant Williams and Rashawn Holmes were taking up in the rotation. Where do you think he factors into the playoff rotation and, and what might, you know, those those rotations look like? I mean, obviously it's matchup dependent, but specifically with Tim, um, how does he fit in here? I think a lot of that will depend probably on the dependability that Dante Exum has after the All-Star break, because I think that's your best change-up option uh, since, you know, other guys that they have, you know, in the second unit, like, uh, you know, Jaden Hardy, they're not going to be kind of utilized uh, to give a different type of production, even though he can attack more off the dribble. You're not necessarily going to be like, we need more defense. Let's throw in Jaden Hardy. Uh, so I think uh, for the most part, it'll depend on the reliability of Exum with his health. And um, yeah, I think that'll probably just be the biggest factor. I think also Josh Green continuing to play at the level he's played at uh, for you know the post-All-Star break schedule will be huge as well because he's been able to take on much heavier minutes uh lately and he can slot in at the three spot as well and then you have multiple options that can play on the wing where you're not having to rely live and die by the three with tim uh hardaway as as often as they've had to in you know just recent seasons uh with this like general configuration of the roster yeah that that makes sense and i mean Derek jones jr i think is another player of, of interest to me um, you know, obviously he's been a pretty key starter for the Mavericks for the whole season. Now he's coming off the bench. Um, I think against uh, the Wizards and Spurs, for example, like his role was a little bit lower, um, you know, coming off the bench. Do you think it's safe to say that his minutes will probably be maximized when there's a need um, for more point of attack defense and when, you know, you're going against a team like Washington, for example, that doesn't necessarily have players that command that kind of attention, then his role is probably going to be smaller, um, especially given his offensive limitations. Yeah, I definitely see that. I think mostly because, you know, with P.J. Washington's recent, like, shooting seasons, he hasn't really shot it as well. So then you, if you're going to have him on the floor and Derek Jones, then you kind of have to make those determinations of do we have enough shooting on the floor, especially if you have that, like, non-shooting five you know, like Lively or Gafford. So I think that's definitely kind of the complication that you could have, like the pros and cons when you're weighing who you're going to throw out there. But I do think that that's definitely an option uh, with Maxi Kleba at the five uh, more frequently whenever he's he's healthy. I think we saw that in, you know, the recent games before Maxi missed that last one before the All-Star break. But I think uh, that's why the center options are very intriguing as well, too, because you do have those options. Like if you want to have the versatile wings out there and switch everything, with that point of attack defense from Derrick Jones, you can still space with Maxi kind of overcompensating, you know, to an extent with the shooting ability that he has as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and honestly, this feels like the first time um, in Luca's career that the Mavs are actually be are actually able to play um, with two versatile bigs, like you know, at, at any given point. You know, obviously they they did try that with Porzingis and Boban in the playoffs a few years ago, but I don't necessarily count that. Um, what kind of adjustments do you think that Luca and even to an extent Kyrie Irving are going to have to make, uh, at least on offense, to sort of facilitate this new playing style? Because even in these three games, you do see a lot more, you know, versatility on offense, but it, it obviously doesn't come without adjustment from the team stars. 
I think for the most part, probably more aggression from Kyrie Kyrie Irving early in games because I think Luca will be the focus, the central, you know, like force for the offense where you know he's going to make a lot of plays or he's going to get double teamed a lot and they'll play out of that. And I think uh, when Kyrie really was aggressive in that second quarter against the Spurs, for example, uh, you know, whether he's running the bench unit or he's playing alongside. Luca, him being aggressive to make the defense pay uh, will be kind of that starting point for the Mavs, in my opinion, because they're not really able to be aggressive with their coverages against two superstars, especially when they're sharing the floor. Because if you're going to double Luca, you're probably going to play drop coverage against Kyrie, and he can really like tear apart drop coverage, even if it's Wimbenyama with his pull-up shooting ability, especially on the twos. And you know when his three is falling, that's a really like tough task especially. So I think just with that overall special talent that he has playing out of ball screens and ISO, I definitely think, uh, you know, you're going to have to get more out of him early in games. Like he showed the capability to do so throughout the season. And when he's fully healthy, uh, you know, especially like sometimes, you know, with that right, uh, you know, thumb sprain, I'm sure like that's something he's still managing ongoing. Uh, So I think closer to the playoffs, you know, that, that could definitely be something where he's firing on all cylinders, uh, especially with the the thumb sprain being uh, less of a thing later on. So I think, uh, you know, overall, probably that's where it starts. And then I think everyone else just kind of feeds off of it, whether it's the rim roller uh, kind of being a play finisher off of how defenses are playing them or other players are just hitting open shots or attacking closeouts with the redrives to get the offense going. I don't think they'll necessarily be much of an adjustment overall, mostly because they're adding on to what they already have. But I think um, there may be some adjustment or just different layers or looks that you get when you do have other ball handling options on the court, like whether it's Josh or, you know, Dante Exum or, you know, whoever else they're trying to initiate. I'm curious to see how they kind of utilize Luca and Kyrie when they're off the ball in actions together. We saw like a lot of that, uh, when Exum was healthy and was able to start alongside those two and brought the ball up, like one was screening for the other in off-ball screening actions and they get into a handoff like out of the zoom actions and stuff like that, I think you get more options to really like put defenses into kind of like nightmare positions whenever you have those other ball handling options on the court without sacrificing you know, your perimeter defense or your shooting ability. So that's that's something that I'm kind of curious to see how they utilize after the all-star break because they do have a lot of options if they stay healthy for sure yeah absolutely um especially you know i'm glad you mentioned kyrie irving being able to punish uh defenses playing drop coverage against him because i think you know adding Derek lively i mean or even daniel gafford to to these lineups with luca kyrie pj washington and josh green like you know defenses have to respect the roller um in the case of either lively or gafford um, and in the case, especially with Lively, Lively can make a play out of the role if the defense decides to pack the paint. And if P.J. Washington, for example, is is open uh, at the corner, that's an open three or, um, or a, you know, a, an attack closeout basically from P.J. Washington. So I think the Mavs offense has a lot more explosiveness now. Um, and for probably the first time I can remember it, they don't, they're not giving anything up on defense uh, as a result of that. Grant, I know you don't usually <clears throat> kind of partake in these hot take stuff, but Tim Legler this week kind of said the Mavericks had a chance to maybe win the Western Conference. Do you think they're that good, or what do you think they're missing 
to get. Oh, you mean like good. the playoffs? Like make it to the yeah, West, like make, make it out of the Western Conference? Like yes, he said straight up they could win the Western Conference. What do you think about about that? Honestly, I think if you give enough talent around Luca, I don't think I'd be surprised by anything. Honestly, like the run they had at the Western Conference Finals, they just had enough of a dependable, like stable team around them on both ends for him to give them the opportunity to get that far. And I like the talent that they have around him. If, you know, things go their way with health, which is pretty much a factor, you know, not only for the Mavs, especially this season with how many injuries they've had, but just for any team in the playoffs. I think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised by that or bet against that. I think they have a lot of uh, potential because uh, they're not giving up those, like the downsides of their lineup combinations aren't really as what they were in previous seasons, like with, you know, having to rely so much on guys like, you know, Tim Hardaway with sm- a smaller wing at the three and stuff like that, where you're relying on streaky shooting. You can kind of diversify things in ways they haven't really done. I'm very curious to see how they use all these pieces after the break, though, uh, because I think there's a lot of options. But, you know, NBA teams sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, not not speaking about the Mavs, uh, but NBA teams speak in general about sometimes surprise yeah. us with how they use uh, their pieces, whether that's positive or negative. I mean, in a negative way, I was I was shocked that I saw the three-guard bench line of after the trades were made with Tim, Jaden, and I forgot the third guard, but... Uh, that's an example of like a rotation. That I don't understand how that's still happening. I will say this though, um, you know, I agree with I agree with Grant's assessment. I mean, I think anytime you put legitimate talent around Luka Doncic and now Kyrie Irving, I think you have a shot to go as far as you want um, in the playoffs. Uh, and I think the Mavs do have a little bit of a benefit right now that there's not as much tape on this iteration of the team. So. You know, in terms of scouting, teams are going to be going are, are going to have to be using a limited uh, sample set of film uh, to sort of uh, scout against them. Um, you know, obviously in 2022, when the Mavs made the Western Conference Finals, they did that on the backs of really a you know a two month hot shooting streak. How do you? I don't think that's going to be the way the Mavericks you know advance in the playoffs this year. How do you foresee that formula uh, shaping up this year if the Mavericks are to make a deep run in, in the playoffs? Yeah, I definitely think a lot of it will be on having more of a uh, diversified offense, as you mentioned, like having the ability to redrive on plays. And like that's a huge factor because you're not just living and dying by huge three-point swings. You need to have those those options that can you know make a defense pay for running you off the line and then make them be kind of in the blender of trying to recover throughout the whole rest of the, the shot clock. And I think uh, you know they have options where that's definitely a capability but we also need to see some of those guys like Derek Jones PJ Washington you know maintain consistency as shooters as well too so I think that will be the huge factor in it is shooting will still be you know really important they but they do have more options at their disposal to be able to play you know within the half court without having to live and die by those results but it's still important for the respect level that defenses will have to play as you know like when you're spacing out and you know, trying to get into your different actions, you definitely need them to still respect spacing, uh, when whether they're in the corner or not. And uh, yeah, even when they are taking those open shots, it's still going to be important. But yeah, overall, there's there's more options and just talent. I think that, and that always factors into a team where you're not relying so much on like one particular attribute. Like you're not relying on 
you know, like shooting what, like making 22 threes in a game on some of these uh, like playoff games that they had in 2022, where Maxi was making six of them by himself and things like that. I don't think you have to rely on those types of outcomes as much for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think this is, I mean, I don't think I, we know that this is the most versatile uh, roster that the Mavericks have had in the Luka era, which I think makes it so exciting now because, you know, it really feels like there isn't a team that's a matchup nightmare for the Mavericks. I mean, obviously there's teams that, you know, that are better than others, but in your estimation, um, you know, and it does seem like the Mavs are probably going to go up against one of the top four teams in the West right now. You know, the Clippers, Thunder, Timberwolves, Nuggets. Which one of those teams is probably the worst matchup for the Mavericks? I would probably say the Clippers, mostly because I think anytime you can take switching and have a lot of options to attack off the dribble into the playoffs, I think that makes you a very dangerous team. But then also... You know, I guess it depends uh, if you're asking me early in the playoffs or later rounds, because we've seen from the Clippers, I know they have more options where they can, you know, pick spots and, you know, maintain, I guess, or be more durable with guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But there's been a lot of situations where you get the Clippers best in the first round, and then some of those guys aren't actually playing to end their playoff run and they don't make it to the finals. So I think. You know, on paper, talent-wise, I would say probably the Clippers. But, yeah, I think uh, some of those other determinations, like with the health that we've you know brought up a lot, is definitely a factor you'd have to weigh. I do think the Nuggets are a very you know, difficult matchup for anybody because, you know, another thing we mentioned is that not really anybody can stop Jokic. Uh, he's going to you know be a matchup nightmare for anybody. Uh, but I do think that uh, there is more perimeter, you know, defensive options, a little more size as well that the Mavericks have than they've had in, you know, previous matchups against them. Uh, like last year before the <laughs> before the All-Star break, they were extremely small and also didn't have a rim protector. And that just makes it very challenging overall to be able to, you know, match up against a team like that. So overall, I think a big part of this factoring in is having, you know, Kyrie, another secondary option that can really, you know, be an explosive uh, performer. So overall, I think uh, the Mavericks are probably one of those teams that you're going to look at as an opponent and be like, damn, I don't really want to play that team. So I think that's that's probably my overall thought for sure. Go ahead, Vinay. No, I was, actually, I was just going to make a quick comment that one of the Denver hosts on, I don't know what show, but he covers the Nuggets, but he was saying that the Mavericks are like of the teams that they could face in the West as a Nuggets fan. The Mavericks were the least or the team that he'd least like to see because of the whole thing with Jokic and a drop coverage and Kyrie and Luka being able to attack it. I thought that was interesting that Grant brought that up. Yeah, um, I, I do agree with Grant's assessment that the Clippers are probably the worst matchup. But again, you know, we've seen in the past that we've gotten their best shot in the first round and then they just get hurt afterwards. But on paper, I, I would say that they're they're the worst. I'm really curious to see how the Mavericks match up with the Nuggets now. And we'll get a preview of it in a few weeks uh, when the Nuggets play in Dallas, because typically Aaron Gordon has been a matchup nightmare for the Mavericks. But now with P.J. Washington, I do wonder if they have a bit of a counter for that. Um, but I guess that'll become clear. In a, I'm in getting a bad flashbacks to Aaron Gordon posting up Tim Hardaway Jr. in past Nuggets matchups. Bro, he does things against the Mavericks that I don't see him do against any other team. <laughs> um... But yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to keep Grant for too long. I do have one more thing, at least, and I don't know, Vinay, if you do. But Maxi Kleber, um, 
Grant, you're obviously close to this team. Uh, you see them uh, every practice, every game. What changed with him? Because it seemed like starting with that Milwaukee game at the beginning of February, a switch just flipped, and now he looks like his old self. With like the physical uh, like situation, like with, like he's dealt with injury with that toe, and I think uh, they've been managing it well as of late. And, you know, I think that's that's been a huge part of it where, you know, when he's in rhythm with his shot, uh, that opens up a lot of things for him offensively. Defenses start to feel compelled to run him off the line. And then that kind of shows more of his game because he can, you know, play out of that, get into that, uh, you know, two-point you know, pull-up or just aggressively attack the rim for a dunk. I think you're uh, when you're having your teammate being doubled and you're getting the ball like uh, with, with a uh, defense that's looking to recover – if you're feeling physically well at six foot ten, you're gonna attack the rim and dunk it like he's done numerous times in the last couple of games. And I think that's just probably what it all stems from. And then defensively, you know, he's able to hold his own more effectively when he's, you know, switching and tracking, you know, offensive players on drives. So I think uh health is a huge factor. He's got like a metal plate in his or, or something like that in his in his shoe now to kind of stabilize his toe. I, th- I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. So how that holds up overall uh, will be a very you know important thing after the All Star break. Yeah, absolutely. The Mavs have had some freak injuries this year. Between that one, because I believe they put the metal thing in his shoe because he dislocated it like five or six times, and then Derek Lively's broken nose. He broke it in three different places. Um, and then obviously you had Kyrie's uh, injury situation back in December. So it's good to see the Mavs finally um, getting healthy right now. Um, but yeah, Vinay, you got anything else? I think I'm, I'm out of questions right now. No, I think we're good. I'm excited to see that uh, that Suns-Mavs game next week is going to be massive. I know huge, it's a season huge. game, but that is a, it's going to have a playoff game feel, I feel like. No, it definitely will. I mean, there's a lot on the line. Um, it's, I mean, it's as close to a must-win game as you get in the regular season um, because that's going to determine the tiebreaker between the Mavs and the Suns, who are very close together in the standings. Um, but, Grant, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know it's a Friday evening. You probably have other things uh, to do. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Vinay, for co-hosting, and thanks, everyone else, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be posting this recording on our podcast feed, so you want to go back and listen you can uh do that subscribe to us on apple podcasts and spotify and grant enjoy the all-star break very well deserved for you love your work you can check out grant's work at dallasbasketball.com thanks for having me i appreciate it sounds good man thanks everyone enjoy your friday go mavs and we'll see you again real soon